Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Sit down, welcome somebody next to you. Give them a punch on the arm. Give them a slap on the, I don't know. Be careful. Can we also welcome everyone joining us online as well? Let's say hello to our online family. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. You are as much a part of this church, no matter where you are watching from. And if you are a guest, hey, I want you to know if this is your first time coming to Elevate, you are not just welcome here, you are wanted here. And I hope that you feel that by the time that you leave. I don't think you are here by accident. As we are in uh, the second week of a two-week series called Make Ready, we always set aside the first part of the year uh, to give to God and say, God, you have our first. We give him the first of our day. We give him the first of our, our increase. We also give him the first of our week, and that's what we do on Sunday, but the first of our year and saying, God, we want this year to be your year to do and move as you please in our life. So we are making our lives ready, making our hearts ready to be a platform for you to move. And so today kicks off a week of prayer and fasting, by the way. And so tonight we're encouraging you to come back to a worship night starting at 6.30. We're gonna blow the walls off this place, I promise you. It's gonna be such a great time worshiping God, getting into His presence. And then this week at 6.30, every single night during the week, we're gathering again for prayer. And we invite you to be a part of that as well. Well, we, we gather together and pray together, then you have time to split off and pray on your own or in your families, however. It's just a great week to say, God, you are first. And we're not just gonna say it, we're gonna show it. Are you with me? And so I uh, encourage you to do that. But it's also a week of prayer and fasting. And so today I wanna talk about fasting. And I know you're super pumped up about that, but I do believe that fasting really will change your life. Now, in my opinion, fasting is, is the most intimidating of all spiritual disciplines. It's kind of like, you know, leg day at the gym. You know what I'm talking about? Like, God, I'll do anything. Please just don't make me do that. I'd rather be, you know, 200 pounds of solid upper body muscle with chicken legs than to have to do to do that. And I think one of the reasons fasting intimidates us is because we wrongly assume when it comes to fasting, it's either go big or go home. Like you either do a, a 40 day water only fast or you might as well not even try. Right? And so if you're, if you're hungry on day two, well, suck it up. Here's a cup of ice, you know, enjoy. Or you're feeling faint on day three, well, swallow a gust of wind and pray. He is the bread of life, so just deal with it. We assume that it's either go all in or go home. But for me, fasting is intimidating because I swear every time I start a fast, it's the same day I see 10 billboards for stuffed crust pizza. Or it's the same day Kristen and I decide we're gonna go to Sam's Club and it just happens to be the day they're having the greatest hits of all the samples and the nicest ladies are handing you samples and I'm rebuking them, telling them to get behind me in the name of Jesus. Calm down, I don't do that. But because of the intimidation factor of fasting, we can either get super legalistic about it and miss the point altogether or the other end of that is to get lazy and lenient with it. And the mental gymnastics of justification start to, to trickle in. Like if you're gonna do a liquid fast this week, there, you, know, you know, the line gets blurry real quickly between juice and a smoothie. If I can just blend it, it'll be fine. 
So I have so many personal stories of, of fasting failures, starting you know, with great intentions of what I believe God wants me to do and is calling me to do, only to have two days in of crushing headaches and you know, I'm praying and my head is pounding and I'm like, God, where are you in this? Is this really what, what this is for? You know, where's Jesus in this? You know, I've already, you know, brushed my teeth 10 times just so I could swallow some toothpaste or I chewed so much gum, you know, this can't be it. At what point am I missing the point? And so I understand that fasting brings with it the intimidation factor and also the legalistic factor. And my goal today is to eliminate both of those. I could just as easily give you a message on, on reasons not to fast. Who wishes I was preaching that one today? Like you don't fast to atone for sin or to get God to, to love you because we get to fast because he already did and he already does. You don't fast, you know, so that the, the creator of the universe owes you something and try to manipulate him into doing something in your, your life. God is not a cosmic vending machine. You're like, God, today, you know, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna take B7, you know, B7 is what I'm after. Like you don't put God into your debt by not eating. You understand that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. God, I skipped lunch. You owe me a wife. I skipped lunch. You owe me a job. That's not the way that it, it works. God is way more interested in who you are becoming than what you are giving up. So this is not about religion. This is about a relationship. And I believe everything about fasting will change for you when you understand obligation gives way to an invitation. This really is an invitation. And I wanna lead you to this invitation God gives us in this discipline that really is a gift and I promise you can change your life. Pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, I pray that it speaks to us, each and every one of us, in the way that you intend. And so God, we know it has the ability to get right to the heart of the issue. And so I pray that we don't leave here the same that we've been challenged and convicted by your word, that your Holy Spirit is the one that leads us in all truth and understanding. And so we, we just make room and make ready, God, for you to move. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Ben. Let me give you guys a basic definition for fan fasting. Uh, and this is what I've heard. It's one of the simplest ones. You can write this down. Fasting is going without what you want in order to access what you need. It's going without what you want in order to access what your, your spirit needs. I heard uh, someone else say that fasting is you're starving the flesh, but feeding your, your spirit to strengthen your, your spirit. Now, this usually means going without food for a meal or a week or a season or going without types of, of food for a, a season. But honestly, it can be going without anything that you want in order to access more of what you need. For example, it could be going without TV. Uh-oh. Social media. Double uh-oh. It could be going without um, shopping. It could be going without complaining. I'm coming for you today. It could be going without a, a victim mentality, right? You better buckle up. I'm coming after you. It could be going without any of those things that we want in order to access more of what we need. And so I'm going to give you some reasons that I believe this discipline, although it's intimidating and can be uh, legalistic if you take it to the extremes, this discipline can change your life and your faith. And here's the first reason why I write it down. Fasting realigns my soul. It realigns your soul. In John's third letter, he says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you 
and that you may be in good health as it goes, don't miss this, with your soul. And so he says, hey, I pray that everything's great. I pray that you're in good health. I pray that all is well, that your, your bank account is crushing it, that your family is doing great, you know, that your, your marriage is, is awesome, but only as it goes well with your soul. Because you realize you can gain all of that. In fact, Jesus said that you can gain the whole world, but forfeit your soul. And I'm telling you right now, that is a terrible trade every single time. You can gain all of that. So he says, I pray that all that goes well with you as it goes well with your soul. So this is speaking about living in a proper alignment, living in the right way, the right order that God has created us to live in. First Thessalonians 5.23, look at it. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole, watch this, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that order, your spirit, your soul, and your body. The word spirit there in the Greek is the word pneuma. Uh, We got some word nerds in the room. You're gonna love me for the next two minutes or so. But the word pneuma means the breath of God. It's spirit. It's the the literal, the breath of God. And it is synonymous with the Old Testament uh, word, Hebrew word, ruach, which is also the breath of God, which which is the word that was used in the beginning when it says God formed man out of the dust and the dirt of the the earth, and he's talking about Adam. And so he looked at Adam, and Adam was in his form of Adam, lips, hips, fingertips, everything about Adam was Adam, but he was lifeless until God breathed, right, the the, the breath of God, the ruach of God into him. I don't know if you realize this, but you breathe roughly 20,000 times a day. Did you know that? And each one of those breaths is a reminder of the God who actually gave it to you. But he says this breathed into him, and this is what enlivened Adam. This is what, you know, animated Adam. And so this ruach, pneuma, you know, Hebrew or Greek, you get to pick. It's the breath of God that enlivens the rest of you and enlivens your, your body. If you leave that verse up there, you see that body, that's the word, the Greek word soma. And that means your flesh, your skin, all your parts is what we see, you know, walking, walking around your muscle and your bones. And then in between those two is the word soul, which is the Greek word suke. And this is your character or your substance. Scholars would say this is an all-encompassing kind of word, your soul. So starting with your spirit first to your, your soul, your heart, your mind, right? All that to the very body you're walking around in. And God, catch this, puts you together in that specific order. Now, whether you followed any of that or not, it doesn't matter. Here's the point. You and I were designed to live from the inside out, plain and simple. When God created us, he created us to live this way. The part of you that lives forever is the spirit side of you. And so this is the the part. He says, this is your your spirit, right? Soul and body. We're designed to live from the inside out. Have you ever heard that verse, deep cries out to deep or deep calls out to deep? You're like, oh yeah, I love that verse. It's so deep. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my life verse, deep calls out to deep. What does it mean? I have no idea. But deep cries out to deep. Where do you find it? I don't know, but it's my next tattoo. Deep cries out to deep, right? Um, like, like, we don't know where it is. It's, it's in Psalm 42. But think of deep calls out to deep in, the, in regards to this divine ordering of how God created us. Like the deepest part of me, the spirit part of, of me cries out to the depths of God. The deepest part of of God, Ephesians 3, Paul's prayer for us is that we would come to know God. 
not know in our mind, but know in our heart, in our soul, know God, experience how deep God's love is for, for us. It's like this ocean, it's this deep calls out, out to deep. And by the way, this is, this is how you and I just know in our knower that there's more out there. Like even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you're just kind of kicking the tires of faith and you're just checking this, this thing out, I'm glad you are here. But there are those moments that you have in your life like we all do, whether you're camping out under the stars and you're looking up at this, this vast you know, ocean of stars or you're looking at the ocean and you just have this, 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 this feeling that there's just more to life. Or, or, or the thing that God put inside of you in Ecclesiastes, he said he set eternity inside the human heart. And so you just know that there's something more, you know what I'm talking about? So we just know that there is more. You wonder why that is? It's because the spirit of God inside of you knows and senses that there's more. That your home is, is not here. Your home is, is with God in heaven. Paul said we are aliens and strangers in this world. Our body, by the way, he calls a tent. It's a temporary covering that we're walking around and we just know that there is, is more than what we are experiencing. This is also why you feel so good when you engage in worship in this room because it's not a concert. It's not a performance. It's not about the lights or the screens or speakers. Those are simply creative means to the something more, but your soul, your, your, your substance, your suke, uh, is experiencing God because you are living and breathing and worshiping this God from the inside out. And so I submit this, that the reason some of you might feel off if you do is because you are not living in the correct alignment not living the way that God intended us to live. How many of you know the world has a, a pattern and one of them is to live from the outside in, not from the inside out? Because the world looks at the outside appearance, right? The Lord, the God judges the heart, but as I realign my soul and I get this ordering right and live from the inside out, my spirit comes alive, deep cries out to, to deep, beginning with my spirit and flowing to the rest of my, my life. And here's why I say that. This is where fasting comes in. Fasting is a realignment of your spirit and your body. It's by denying our flesh something that it wants, it awakens and strengthens our, our spirit to be the leading agent of our life. When we deny those things, those impulses, those cravings that, that we have for something that we want, instead we let our spirit lead us. So then rather than living for what our body wants, we live from what our spirit needs. So fasting realigns your so it's a great reason why to fast. And it's key for number two, write this down. It helps you resist temptation. Fasting helps us resist temptation. Fasting taps us into a power that is available to us to resist temptation. I was thinking about the most powerful story of, of resisting temptation in the Bible it has to be Matthew chapter four, when Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness and he's led there to fast uh, and, and pray, and he fasts from food and for water for 40 days. Like, I'm just asking you to do seven, all right? Just seven. He's 40 days, he did this. And so one of my favorite parts in that whole chapter, Matthew writes at the end of those 40 days, look at it, it says, he was hungry. It's like, duh, thank you, Matthew, for that piece of information. I did not know Jesus would be hungry after not eating or drinking for 40 days. However, it's a hugely important detail because that's when Satan comes to tempt him. Now, I used to read that, and I think, man, what a cheap shot. What a low blow. And what, what else would you expect from the devil, right, the deceiver, the, the father of lies, and him to come when Jesus is at his weakest? 
However, what I understand is Jesus, his, his physically, he might be weaker than he ever was, but spiritually, he was stronger in that moment than he ever had been because his soul was in line to the Father. Are you with me? And allowed him to have the power to resist temptation. He's in perfect alignment. And, and let me say this. The power in fasting is not in fasting. Not, I'm going to fast because I need this. I'm just going to go fast. The danger of a topic like this is that you walk out of here with a principle, but you miss the person that this is really all about. Because Christianity is not a collection of, of principles. Church is not, you know, a self-help seminar. This is not a concert that you come to on Sunday with a TED Talk attached to it. Church, this church is dedicated to telling the story of Jesus and seeing where Jesus is throughout the scripture. So fasting is not the power. Fasting is a fast track to the person of Jesus who rose from the dead and who claimed after coming from the dead that all authority in the entire universe belonged to him. So it's a fast track to the person of Jesus in your life. And so as your body is weakened, your spirit is strengthened by a person. And when that happens, let me just tell you, you will find yourself breaking through things that once you bowed down to. You'll find yourself breaking through temptations in your life that once held you bound. I'm telling you. That's what it does. We, it gives us the ability to resist temptation. Wasn't it Jesus who said this, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak? You know, I, my, my spirit, man, I know it wants to, but my flesh gives in to these cravings. Here's the same verse in the message. It says, stay alert and be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing that you're in danger. There's a part of you, your spirit, that is eager and ready and willing for anything in God, but there's another part of you. That's your flesh. We all know this. That's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. <laughs> Love that. My, my six-year-old, who's soon to be seven uh, this week, is so picky when it comes to food. And I don't know where he gets that from. Maybe his mama, but typically the Atkins have been eaters. And so I don't know where it comes from. Um, however, uh, often at dinner, he would complain that, hey, you know, I don't want to eat that. And he'd push back. I don't want that. I want something else. And to be, to be you know, transparent with you, there are times where I'm like, fine, whatever. I'd rather not deal with it. You know, that's fine. We'll just make you something else, whatever you want. However, we don't do that anymore. You know why? My six-year-old is not in charge of dinner. And I say that because too many of us let our flesh call the shots like a toddler with a temper tantrum. I want ice cream or I'll scream. Give me what I want when I want it. I don't want that to be wrong. I don't want that to be bad. I, if my flesh wants it, I want it. I wanna, I wanna watch porn. I wanna have a, a one night stand. I want, I want that to be okay. I want God made in my image, not the other way around. I want that not to be bad. I want that not to be wrong. I want that to be, oh, okay, I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to have to do that. I don't care if it's bad for me. Listen to me. Your flesh does not have the ability to do something called delayed gratification. Our flesh is willing, is, is weak, right, by the spirit inside of us. Our flesh is like a lazy dog sleeping by the fire. And what fasting does, don't miss this, it dethrones king flesh in your life. You deny your flesh and your spirit strengthens, and your spirit steps up, and your spirit says, now I'm in control. Like, I'm leading 
this. And just like Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, you start tapping into a power from God that enlivens your spirit from the inside out. And now what happens is you find yourself saying yes way more often to the things you should say yes to and no to the things that you know you should say no to. Fasting taps you into that power to resist temptation. It helps you conquer mountains that you could not conquer before. And my prayer is this, as you head into a season of prayer and fasting, if God leads you to do that, that you will come out on the other side conquering those mountains that have held you back. In fact, if you feel like you lack self-control, because how many of you know the hardest person to lead is you? If you feel that way, I'm telling you, fasting is not for God. It is for you. It's for you. And the same power that that rose Jesus from the dead lives in in you. He gives to us. And so the flesh may be weak, but I'm telling you, your spirit is willing and is eager and is ready for anything. In fact, that's a great segue to number three. Write this down. Fasting gets you ready. It just gets you ready. It prepares you. It prepares you for, for what, Colby? Well, God's plans for you. How many of you know God has good plans for you? How many of you believe that? Like, honestly. All right. So we got a lot of work to do. God has good plans for your life. You need to know that. We take him at his word. His word tells us that. In Hebrews 12, he says he's, he's marked out a race for you to run, and you are to run it in such a way as to win the prize. God has great plans for, for your life. There's a pastor named Levi Lusco who once said this, the key to going fast is fasting, which paradoxically involves slowing. And that is so true. In fact, if you ask any professional race car driver, if you know one, they will tell you the key to going fast is knowing how to use the brake. Fasting is actually braking. And it's by braking, as you head into a turn, what it does, it readies you and prepares you to accelerate out of that turn into what's next. And I'm just telling you, when God is getting ready to to speed your life up, it will often start by slowing you down. Think about Jesus in his 40 days of, of, of fasting, being in the wilderness, slowing down. It was after that season that his ministry really escalated. So if you're feeling a little bit slow in your life right now, you're sensing that God might be leading you into a season of fasting or maybe even more intentional connection with him, it's probably because he has something for you on the other side of that next turn. And what he's trying to do is get you to slow down and be prepared and ready to accelerate into what he has for your life. Think about this, Mark chapter nine. Yeah, if we're gonna clap, let's just go for it. Come on, let's, you know. If it's good, it's good. Mark chapter nine, Jesus' disciples, they met a man whose son was demon-possessed so badly. In fact, picture this. Uh, He would often throw himself into the fire. He would have seizures all the time. He would throw himself into rivers. And so his disciples tried to cast out the demon. And they couldn't do it. And they go back to Jesus. Of course, Jesus comes, and Jesus does what he does, and he gets things done, and he casts the demon out of this, this, this little boy. And then later on in verse 28 of Mark 9, this is in the New King James, it says, the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked him, why couldn't we do it? Like, why couldn't we drive it out? Like, why, why, why didn't we have the authority? Why didn't we have, have the power? This is how you might say it. God, why can't I get past this? Why can't I move beyond that? Why does it seem like breakthrough is always out of reach in this one area in my my life? Why? And Jesus responds by saying this in verse 29. Hey, some things, they only happen by what? Prayer and fasting. 
Why? Because fasting gets you ready. And when you're ready, you don't got to get ready. When you're already ready, you don't got to get ready. That's a lot of readies. Fasting gives you spiritual authority is what it does, and you're ready. Because think of it like this. When you have food and you can eat whenever you want or you have you want to shop and you have money and you have resources and you have things, however you say nope, you know, you know what that does in your spirit? You know how much, you know, authority that generates in your spirit? You know how empowering that is for you? Gives you spiritual authority. What is spiritual authority? Write this down. It's the ability to bring the kingdom of heaven to places and spaces where it currently is not. That's what spiritual authority is. Think about it like this. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven into that little boy's body, and the demon had to flee, had to run. And before you push back and say, well, that's Jesus, can I remind you, Jesus also said that through him, we would do greater things than he did. Like, do you believe that word? I mean, that's, that's one of those that we just kind of fly by, is it not? That we'll do greater things. Spiritual authority is the cultivated ability to bring the kingdom of heaven into spaces and people and circumstance and situations that he currently is not in. And I'm telling you, church, fasting might just be the difference between a breakdown and a breakthrough this year for you. Fasting might be the difference between why couldn't we cast it out and I am living and operating out of the spiritual authority that God has given me because you have it in Christ Jesus. Fasting is the, the difference between, between an ordinary life and maybe an extraordinary life. It's the difference between almost and already. And can I tell you how much I hate the word almost? Anybody else? I almost did it this year. Or I almost got baptized. Or I almost, you know, invited that person. Or I almost reached out. Or we almost were a church that made a difference in our city. People are hurting and dying because of that word almost. And I don't know if you are glad, but I'm certainly glad Jesus didn't almost die on the cross. Jesus didn't almost come back to life. Jesus didn't almost forgive my sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. Anybody grateful? He's not an almost Jesus. So Paul said this, the days are dark, so make the most of every moment, every opportunity that you have that presents itself to bring the kingdom of heaven into the places it currently is not. Fasting makes you Ready, here's the, the fourth one I'll give you. Write this down. Fasting gives you a real rest. So not only does it make you ready for what's coming, not only does it allow you to, to slow down and, and get ready to accelerate, but it also gives you a real rest. Jesus said a lot of things, and I think some of the best things he said was in Matthew 11 when he said this, are you tired? Anybody, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. So if Jesus said there's such a thing as a real rest, then there must be such a thing as a fake rest. How many of you have ever gone on vacation only to come back needing a vacation? You go on vacation, right, and your friends are like, how's your vacation? And you come back, you're like, it's exhausting. I need a vacation, which is why, by the way, uh, when Kristen and I go someplace with the family, we call that an outing. Not a vacation. When it's just her and I, it's a vacation, all right? That's it's what rest is. Um, but Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Because who knows that just because you leave the restlessness of your life does not mean the restlessness leaves you. So what is a real rest? 
this real peace, this real security and contentment come from? Like, I, I bet you knew this already, but God required Israel to rest. It's called a, a Sabbath. And by the way, the invitation to Sabbath is on the table, and it's not just about coming to church on Sunday and then getting back after it. It's about resting. Sabbath thing, if you think about it, really is fasting. It's fasting from being a, a human doing, thinking I have to get everything done, to reminding yourself you are a human being, and more importantly, you are not God. And so you can take a real rest in the fact that God is in control. And that sounds obvious, I understand, but it is nearly impossible for us to remember and to believe sometimes. Because we think we are the determiner of our own destiny. Well, Colby, if I slow down, if I really rest, what happens? What you've done is you've just displayed the fact that you don't trust God. And you don't trust that he is in, in control of your life. When you think, I can't slow down, I can't stop, I can't rest, otherwise, these things will happen. In fact, some of the bravest people I know are some of the most rested people I know because they trust in God who is sovereign. And I'm telling you, my friend, that's where real rest is ultimately found. So here's my challenge to you this week, all right? You know I'm gonna give you one. As we head into a week of prayer and fasting, I'm gonna ask you to put your phone down for two hours a day while you're awake. I had to say that because if you were that person already thinking it, that was your loophole, then this is for you. This challenge is for you. Like for two hours a day, put your phone down because did you know on average, you touch, tap, swipe, whatever, 2,600 uh, times per day, that phone, and you will have logged at the end of your life nine years of, of looking at that, that screen, which means we are uh, being discipled by Silicon Valley, you know, more than we are by Jesus and by their algorithms, that by looking at that phone all the time, you are sim simultaneously available to everyone and present, really, with almost no one at the same time. I'm just saying, like, it, I'm doing my best. And in this season, too, I want to come home and put my phone away because I don't want my kids growing up thinking that this is what dad looks like. I don't think you do either. And so maybe if that's what God is calling you to do in this season, that's, it's just a challenge, giving up something that, that you want in order to access more of what you need. So give it a rest. Give it, give it a, a break. We all need a break. This is a true story. In September 2021, there were two men who were lost at sea for 29 days in the South Pacific. And they were found after 29 days, they barely survived on coconuts that were floating by and rainwater that they had collected. And at the end of the 29 days when they were rescued, um, somebody interviewed them, you know, and, and said, you know, what was it like and all that. And one guy says, and I quote, this is what he says. He says, yeah, it was a kind of nice break from everything. <laughs> 29 days, lost at sea, was a nice break. Anybody else feeling that maybe? I understand that. I get that. It is a nice break when you think of the constant updates and the unceasing, you know, influx of information and opinions that are out there. And by the way, this is why trust is actually a form of, of bravery because I think we should be informed as followers of Jesus about what's going on in our world. And so I want you to hear me right. I'm not trying to, to swing the pendulum to the entire other side and overcorrect. However, I am trying to correct in the sense that I don't think you are meant to know and carry every single opinion about everything happening in the world. Like, you can't do it. And I think the biggest reason that we listen to it and follow it is not because we're gonna do anything about it. 
Because let's be honest, you don't. We don't do something about everything that we hear on that stuff. But what it does, it gives us this shock value, dopamine hit. It's almost like we're kids in an information candy store that we can't get enough of what's going on in our our world. And again, you can't do anything about it anyway. God is the only one who can carry it. You were never designed to carry all that information. You are not the information superhighway. So I'm just saying, give it a rest. And I wonder if, if your soul is restless because it's aware of every reason around the world it should be. And here's, this is super profound. Ready for it? I wonder if you'd worry less if you had less to worry about. And I think you'd have less to worry about if you turn it off for a couple hours a day while you're awake. Jesus is saying, come away with me. Let me be God. I'm good at it. Take a, a real rest. Take a Sabbath. And just a side note, if you're looking for some, some reading, I recommend the book called a Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Get your hands on it. Uh, I promise it'll make a difference. Here's the, here's the last one I want you to write down. Fasting eventually leads to the greater things of God. So as I take away the, the medication of carbs, you know, and, and feeling full and feeling good, or take away shopping, you know, that gives me a quick, quick buzz to cure my boredom, or I take away the TV and having the white noise on because I don't want the silence, whatever it is. And all those things, by the way, are okay. They're neutral things. But when I take them away, I get to tap into the greater things of God that's available to me. Uh, Song of Songs, uh, chapter one, verse two says, for your love, Your love is more delightful than wine. Let's talk about wine. I know this Elevate Church, we're so edgy. We talk about wine and stuff. I personally don't like wine. Not a fan of wine. It's fine if you do, don't care. But those who do like wine know there is a big difference between a 2010 bottle of Petrus Red and a $6 box wine of red wine, okay? I'm not hating on the box. I don't know anything about the box. I'm sure it's fine, whatever. But there is a big difference between, I looked it up, a 2010 bottle of Petrus Red goes for about $72,000. So I'm just saying. Colby, why are we talking about this? Here's why. The simple pleasures of life, they're good. They are the common graces that God has given us. They are a gift. However, they are not God. And they cannot replace God. And in 2024, we have so many pleasures available to us in an ever-increasing quantity, more than, you know, our generations that were before us could ever think or imagine we would have. And what happens is over time, we, we, our, our taste buds and our senses start to get hijacked and dulled because they're just replaced by these cheap knockoffs, by things that really don't, aren't the, the greater things that God has for us. So keep falling in this, this kind of um, very shoddy wine analogy because I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's those people that are sommeliers, sommeliers, whatever, however you say that. They take a sip of wine. So if they took a sip of this Petrus wine, you know, they would swish it around in their mouth, spit it out. I don't know. But they've trained for years to get hints of cranberry and oak and earth tones with a little aftertaste of chutney. I don't, I, I should, I read that on the label somewhere. You and I would take a sip of that same wine and say, mm, tastes like wine. Yeah, that tastes like wine. Or as Michael Scott would say in the office, that's a red. That's definitely a red. But I heard a pastor once say this, God's love is like the finest wine, and it goes unappreciated on most palates. 
So maybe in this season, this is what God's asking us to do is to take our taste buds back and to not settle for the cheap knockoff stuff, to not settle for what the world wants to, to offer us, but over time, you know, we have traded in for the greater things of God. We've traded in these, these shadows and escapes for, for things that, that really don't last. And here's why we do it. You want to know why? Because they almost work. They almost work. And it's so hard to give up something that almost works, is it not? It's so hard to, to put something to bed that man, nearly gets you there to that point, but takes you right up to the edge. It takes you right up to the glass. <laughs> but it's not the ocean. It's not all, all the things that God has for your life. Uh, so, man, you can come help me shut this thing down. In, in Disney's Pixar's Finding Dory, if you've seen it, there's a whale tank that goes right up to the glass located on the coast. And so they can see the ocean, but they can't experience it. And we have all these simple pleasures in life that our flesh craves, the cheaper stuffs, the knockoffs, the box wine, whatever it is. All those things get us right up to the glass, and they almost work, but they're not the ocean. They're not the greater things God has for us. And so here's where fasting comes in. When you deny yourself those simple pleasures that almost work, whether this week it's lunch, you know, for the week, or if it's a, a meal, or if it's, you know, TV or social media or your your phone or shopping, whatever it is, when you deny yourself those, those things that almost work to take you right up to the glass, when you deny those things, you start to move beyond the glass. You start to move out into the deeper water, into the deeper things that God has for your life. And in the deeper water, I'm telling you, you can't do anything except depend on, on God. Because you were meant to be in over your head. You and I are not living the level that God created us to live in. And fasting, and I think it elevates God's spirit, the person inside of us, to come alive, to give us what we need, to strengthen us, to resist temptation, to get us ready for what's around the corner. For all those reasons that I said, I believe fasting can change, will change your life. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for us in this moment, and then we're going to worship we're going to ask God to take us out into the deeper water, into the deeper things, to not settle for cheap substitutes this year. But say, God, we want all of your spirit. Heavenly Father, God, we want all of what you have for us. We want your spirit to move in our hearts and in our lives in such a way that we're not the ones in charge. Maybe for some of you in this room, you've, you've been in charge. You know what that's like. And it's led you to brokenness and addiction and hurt and pain. You feel like you're banging your head against the wall doing the same old thing, the same old thing. And I truly believe fasting is what will give you the ability to awaken God's spirit inside of you. His breath, his pneuma, his ruach. To help you resist those things, to, to flee to break through the things that once would hold you back. But it begins with aligning our soul, our spirit, how God created us and wired us. And so I pray right now that in Jesus' name as we worship you, God, you would meet us here, you would take us out into the deeper water where we have no choice but to depend on you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.